know you special, girl, cause I know too many. Risha, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want you, and I need you. And I'm down for you always. Welcome to another edition of Birds of a Feather. This is your girl, AJ, Suburban Princess, here with her thoughts on what is becoming a very interesting first week. Yes, first week of preseason NFL style. It's very good to see preseason football on, period, because it's football. But the climax is that even at the best part of a preseason game, you know that most of the good players aren't going to be playing for longer than maybe half a series, if not a little bit of the first quarter. Um, it's more exciting to see the rookies that were chosen when they were chosen at the NFL draft, but to see them actually play it out is interesting to say the least. Sometimes it's not even that exciting. Um, guys that have been waiting in the wings as far as backup QBs, um, with Kansas city, uh, bringing on, um, their new prospect, uh, now that Alex Smith is now a Redskin. Um, I heard that he had a very uneventful first game. So, I don't know why his name keeps escaping me, but I'm sure all of you out there already know who I'm talking about. Uh, the backup that is now the starting QB in Kansas City. That was pretty much a shocker to me that he didn't stand out as much as I thought he did. And now as I'm watching a rerun on NFL Network of the Browns slash Giants game, it reminds me how much the Browns might actually look pretty decent this season. Now, mind you, it's week one and we don't know what preseason does really for players when it comes down to the regular season. Let's just pray that after four weeks are over, we don't have too many injuries like it started off for the 2017 season last year when it seemed like everybody named Mama got hurt early. Um, So far, they have had a few injuries to wide receivers and I think some defensive players, but um, it seemed like a lot of them were like freak accidents that ended up into being ACL tears during either training camp and or prepping for their first week of preseason. Then you have some interesting cases in preseason where Khalil Mack is holding out and losing almost uh, a million bot a million dollars uh, because he wants to get his rookie contract uh, worked out um, for I guess a full five years or whatever you know they usually negotiate after their rookie contract is up for the Raiders and with John Gruden now back at the helm it looks like John Gruden couldn't give a crap about that crap because he's the new coach and he has to get used to going back to the coaching frame of mind after it's been so many years and he used to be uh, an analyst on NFL on Monday Night Football excuse me now that he's back to coaching can you teach an old dog new tricks I mean you can you get the team to get invested in Gruden again I mean everybody's been kind of pining for him to go back to uh, coaching football since I personally didn't think the team of him and the other guy for NFL uh, I keep saying NFL but Monday Night Football um, were that interesting of a combo to want to keep him on Surprisingly enough, it's actually more exciting now that Tony Romo is an official analyst. He's actually pretty exciting on uh, TV, watching him discuss plays. He used to just be very uh, auto-robot, you know, autopilot type of sounding where he just kind of would jump and yell out what a play was going to be or say what it was going to be, and then that was it. And then he would prove himself right, and then it would be like, okay, Tony, you're supposed to engage the audience who's watching you narrate these and analyze. So I think now after the his first uh, half of the season as a commentator has passed, I think now Tony Romo is starting to get a small following. Um, surprisingly enough, considering he's a former cowboy, I actually am pretty impressed with his analytic analyst uh, abilities. And um, I hope it's a gig that he'll keep for a while because I think it's exciting to see former players who actually have a skill other than just playing on their teams. So 
Uh, last weekend was the Hall of Fame ceremony, as most people know, and it's very exciting now that we know that D- Brian Dawkins and Terrell Owens are officially uh, and uh, have their busts out and um, have been able to give their speeches, even though Tia wasn't part of the actual ceremony. He had his own ceremony in Chatt- Chattanooga. I discussed that in the last podcast, but it's still history. It's still a good look for the Eagles in general because Terrell Owens was considered... Um, uh, I forget what the word is, enshrined, excuse me, in the uh, NFL Football Hall of Fame as an Eagle, even though that was his shortest tenure. He pretty much was on Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys. Um, he went to Buffalo, and then he also did Cincinnati, which I totally had forgotten. Um, so he's already been on five teams, and he's considering looking at Canadian Football League. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, he is in his almost mid-40s, even though he keeps himself in stellar shape. I would love to see if he actually um, becomes a productive Canadian football leaguer. So we'll see. Um, And as far as preseason, we'll get to our main boys. I mean, the Eagles. I honestly was able to see the replay this morning, but I didn't get to see the very beginning for the first touchdown. But it looks like most of the names that came out from the first game that impressed all was our rookie Dallas Goddard from... uh, I forget what school he came from, but either way, he... um, he shined the most, and I think that now that it's become a trend on Twitter as well as sports radio to now disregard his first name, Dallas, and call him Philly Goddard, um, he's probably going to have a good nickname, I'm sure, going into the new season. In fact, I think he just should just be called PG, because in that way, it's kind of like our way of claiming him without really giving Dallas, the city, the credit. Um, uh, they're showing Saquon Barkley now, former Penn Stater, now on the Giants. He looked like he had an impressive run or two a couple times. I looked at the, this preseason game, so he's going to work out for the Giants. And let's hope that the Giants don't become so good that they become a threat for the Eagles. Because I don't care how mad we beat them last or the Eagles beat them last season, I don't think the Giants go down easily. No matter how much we try to uh, shut them down, um, they always give the Eagles pretty much a good fight. Um, hopefully, this season in the NFC it'll be not a runaway again. I'd like to see it to be competitive, but I'd also like to see the Eagles shut down more than just one team this year. I'd like them to, I don't know, legitimately shut up the NFC and show why they own it and why they should always own the NFC East. Um, It's going to be definitely more of a fight this year to get the NFC crown of the conference for the Eagles because, you know, just like Doug Peterson is teaching his camp, he's teaching them to embrace the target because that's what they are. Um, There's a lot more people coming back and there's some strong rookie positions that are already starting to look like they're impressing. Um, As they talk to Saquon, it just, it does make me happy for the Giants in the sense that, you know, it's good to see a good player for them, even though the Giants have been pretty much sleeping Giants for the past couple years. They haven't been impressive since their last Super Bowl win, but they got two in a row. So the Eagles now deserve to get that victory of two back-to-back Super Bowls. So, Hopefully, the Eagles can continue that fight. Now seems to be the issue of who is going to start week one. Yes, the preseason by the second or third week is pretty much, you know, dead in the water. I mean, usually mentally, us fans, we tune out by the second or third week because we know, like, no one's really going to play. And at this point, no one's really confident in the fourth uh, uh, the fourth in line quarterback because, one, he's obviously very small. And two, he's not going to be anyone who's going to probably ever start. He's probably going to most likely end up on the practice squad. Um, I wasn't too impressed with this Joe Callahan guy behind um, Nate Sudfeld. But I will say one thing. It's good to know that he 
didn't seem like he mentally or physically seemed to check out once he wasn't really getting his throws off as much as he would like. He's kind of short. I don't see how he's going to ever see over the the offensive line or the defense for that matter. And um, But then again, I look at Baker Mayfield playing a pretty awesome game for the Browns during this replay. And I'm kind of thinking, well, you know what? You don't always have to feel short. You can always play tall. So there are some short guys that just, they can beat the punch. I mean, Michael Vick wasn't exactly a tall guy, but, you know, he got the ball out so fast that it really didn't matter whether he could see over the offensive line or not because he had he had vision. And that's, besides his speed, he had great vision. And I think that even if he didn't really have necessarily the football IQ per se, like his decision-making seemed to not make any sense, he still threw a good ball. He still does even in American flag football now. But he may just not have that speed as he used to. Um, but I see little mini Michael Vicks and some of these new wide receivers all over the place. I mean, um, Tyrod Taylor being actually the, the starting quarterback for the Browns. I think he's kind of a descendant of Michael Vick and someone who I felt like who has been really over uh, underrated. And, um, I don't think he ever had the right team. Um, Teddy, uh, Bridgewater is now backing up in Jets world, New York Jets. And it was good to see him throw a ball after he's taken almost three years off, uh, basically trying to rehab his knee or leg or whatever that massive injury he had. Um, it's good to see him throwing a ball again. Now it's interesting with social media, how fast people flip and they instantly want to go, okay, he plays good. So let's trade him. No, <laughs> he's a back and forth reason. He has to mentally, physically, and intellectually get himself back into football again. So him being a backup and playing pretty decent on his first preseason snaps is a good sign, but it doesn't necessarily mean it'll hold up. You know, you have to gel with your team, whether you're playing the first string or the second string. And a good backup can adapt to that, just like Nick Foles had to do as he went from team to team and eventually came back to his starting team and won a Super Bowl MVP uh, award. So it's good to see someone like Nick Foles succeed because he has not only obviously been the one to bring it home for Philadelphia, but he was obviously the one that had a great story behind his need to come back into football, so whether spiritual or intellectual or, you know, um, football related. Um, Nick didn't have to come back into the sports world. He could have just retired and become the pastor. He said he's looking to be post-football. Um, it kind of just found him again, and it looks like it's also spurned, um, spawned off a good motivational speaking career for him. He's become a face of uh, faith and, pos- and positivity, and he's wrote, he wrote a book about it, and it's come out, and he's toured, and he's done all this on the off-season as well as during training camp time. And he's been this face of optimism for people who give up or want to give up. And someone like him, you would think it would be very easy for him to give up because he never had a reason to really want to keep going because his career just seemed to always um, dwindle down into nothing. And it got to the point where he convinced himself, maybe I shouldn't play. And so to know that someone like that can come back and then win the whole thing in less than five games, it just shows you that if your faith is stronger than anything, it can bring you places you never thought. And Nick Foles to me is a success story. And yes, some of the pundits and analysts and sports, uh, you know, radio guys never really want to fully give him that edge or that respect. Um, he is truly an amazing QB and as well as a person. He may never play that level again or that to that height that he did, but he sure as hell learned quickly in a city where it's very hard for us to give people second and third chances when you mess up the first time. So I think with Nick Foles, he will be the fire for a lot of these other teams who 
didn't get past the first round of playoffs or who lost to the Eagles when the Eagles caught fire in the play in the postseason. So it seemed to have sparked a whole thing with uh, Alvin Kamara from the Saints because now he's decided <coughs> to put the target on the Eagles for first it became coming at the Vikings for losing to the Vikings game in that really freak ending where uh, that wide receiver for the Vikings ended up catching uh, Stefan Diggs ended up catching that ball at the last minute, literally the last seconds of the game to uh, win. Um, he seemed to be very bitter about it in an interview. And then eventually he went off to say we would have beat the crap out of the Eagles had we gotten past the Vikings. Now, mind you, I agree with Kyle from Good Morning Football that coulda, shoulda, woulda, nobody cares about what you coulda did because you may not see the Eagles again this year. And even if you do see them again this year, what's the point of talking trash now? Especially when they know that people like you are going to start saying stuff because nobody, even the Eagles themselves, thought they would get the Super Bowl. So every team has a chance to win and every story that comes out of left field is always exciting to know underdogs mentality did help the Eagles win but it doesn't win it doesn't help for everybody I mean that's just a rare story it's it's going to be fascinating for years Super Bowl 52 will always be um, equivalent to the Nick Foles redemption as well as the Eagles overcoming so many odds and losing so many key people and still winning it all and so now everybody I've noticed on certain teams are trying to slowly take a little bit of that uh, hype and adapt it to their teams and only people who truly truly know how their locker rooms and how their coaches work will be able to even come close to duplicating what the Eagles created in their uh in their locker room as well as what they did on the field so it's a once in a lifetime you know strike when the iron is hot type of thing and nobody can duplicate what the Eagles created for this this past year now if they can do it again with some of the new faces it'll be amazing most people say it's always never going to be easy to try to you know duplicate another success story and it may cost more casualties than last year but you would like to think that that would not be possible um being that pretty much they lost some so many key names last season and still got it now you're wondering had everybody been majority healthy do they still think they'll have the same chemistry I feel like yes they can because I feel like where they got substitutions were areas that weren't necessarily weak but could have used an extra set of legs so my thing is if the veterans know how to take care of themselves especially the ones that were hurt then they have no problem with getting back to Atlanta in uh, February 2019 so the goal as a fan is just to not worry about what could happen which seems to be lingering in everyone's mind you know whether Wentz gets hurt again if he doesn't start when is he going to start there's never to me a good time as a fan to put Wentz in I think he should start because he's mentally already there and you feel like if you start losing time and confidence, even though I don't think it's possible for Wentz, but if he has too much time to think, you know, he may slowly start to regress out of his patterns of positive thinking because he'll be stewing so much. But then on the other hand, I wouldn't mind Foltz starting because I feel like Foltz never really got, Foles never really got to uh, start a full season and finish it since the 23 and 7 year or whatever it was. And so I feel like it would be a good reminder to Foles how bad he really wants to be a quarterback at all. Or is he just here holding a space because he's not really done yet? You know, I mean, does he I don't even really think Foles wants to leave. I think he honestly would rather just retire an eagle knowing that he got to the pinnacle of, you know, footballdom 
And now he feels like he's living, he's doing it now just to save lives and to continue to be a good example for people out there because that's his ministry. Um, and football just happens to be it. Um, had he wrote that book and he had not even been part of the Eagles, would he sell it? Would it sell as good? And would people care about Nick Foles? No, they wouldn't. Um, just those around his probably inner circle probably would, but, um, it was definitely a good platform for him. Speaking of platforms now with the NFL anthem policy, it seems like, you know, the whole issue of standing, sitting, whatever, not acknowledging, uh, kneeling for, during the anthem has become in itself a whole new ball, or should I say opened a new can of worms because the NFL decided to make it a formal policy. I first personally don't think just like this stupid helmet rule that seems to be creating 10 times more flags than possible in the first half of the game. Um, I don't think either law will become uh, executed as much as the NFL wants to believe it will be. I think they're doing it to save face and I think they're also doing it to save money because they figure the more fines that come out from all the helmet bashing that will probably happen, um, it'll take care of the CTE suits that are still coming at their neck that the NFL want to kind of bury under the ground and hope goes away. And it never really will because this is a sport that's always been dangerous and it's never, no matter how much they try to quote unquote, make it safe, it'll never not be dangerous because it's not humane to run towards each other and not expect to have collisions. It's just, it's not possible. So I think the NFL is just basically running out of excuses to look like a stable corporation. And in the meantime, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot because they're also neglecting the other charities that they supposedly support, like breast cancer, um, domestic violence, um, autism now has become more of the focus this year. Um, well, as far as the Eagles are concerned, it just seems like they're losing sight of what originally the NFL was supposed to be about, as opposed to being big money business and trying to spread all over Europe. I think they've lost their mission as far as a corporation. And because of this whole policy, it's become more political than it needs to be. And granted, I'm one of some of those people that could care less about whether people kneel or not. But I, what I have a problem with is people who have a problem with people doing it. And I still to this day will never understand the hatred that's coming out of some of these quote unquote fans, especially some of the older generation who still think that Colin Kaepernick ruined their sport. When realistically, Marshawn Lynch has been sitting the whole time and no one's cared until the picture came out. And then all of a sudden when Kaepernick was kneeling, it was a deal. Marshawn Lynch has been sitting for 11 seasons and will still sit. Michael Bennett has sat and did sit, did sit during the anthem during uh, the preseason game, apparently. The NFL probably won't even show the anthem being uh, sung now until probably the Super Bowl because it'll eliminate a lot of... Um, hype even though you know the cameras are probably going to take short you know shots of people kneeling now that some players have still knelt during the preseason which would probably wouldn't have happened as much if Trump and uh, the NFL hadn't decided to make a stupid policy or revamp a policy um they're not dogs they're human beings and we should stop acting like just because they get paid a lot of money that they just have to go and play and shut up that's not the way it should be. It should be a sport of their leisure because they're passionate about it, not because they're working for a bunch of plantation owners who want to seem like they're important. That's my piece on that. But preseason as a whole so far in the week one has been exciting, but kind of lackluster at the sense that by the time I caught the rest of the Eagles game, I was only seeing some of the Joe Callahan unspectacular throws and then um, some of the 
the running back issues that are still lingering, like Smallwood not really being as effective as he hasn't been last season, which was why I think that he will drop in the roster. Donnell Pumphrey still hasn't made it to a game yet, so I don't think he's going to be even on this practice squad anymore. And then I think that Josh Adams has won himself a at least third or fourth roster spot. Um, it's good to see good old Sproles back. It's good to see Jay Ajayi back. Damn sure good to see Corey Clement back. So I, for one, am never worried about the running back situation. From what the guys that I hear who pay attention to the the D-line and the O-line, it looks like that they're all pretty much good. Now, still the question is who are going to be the star cornerbacks this, cornerbacks this year? Um, and there seems to still be a question of the linebackers. So those are still shaky areas, but I think when, you know, all guns are blazing and, and all the first starters open up for the Falcons game, I still think we're going to see a well-oiled machine regardless of some of the question marks that fans have about uh, some of the roster spots. I don't think it'll be a hard decision for Doug to shave down to 53 this year, but um, it's going to get dicey later in the season if some of these players don't pan out as far as the draft picks or as far as the veterans staying healthy. That's the only thing that could shake the core is if the veterans don't hold their ground. You know, they're the core of the team. So if they don't hold their ground, then even the rookie's not going to be able to shine. And uh, so hence, you know, the falling from the inside, destroying itself on the outside type of theory comes about. Um, But as of right now, I'm pretty confident about the season already. And I don't really even have to see that much preseason. I just think the Eagles are holding a lot of stuff back from us because they don't want to put all their secrets out now that everybody's got their eyes on them. When you're Super Bowl winners, that's what happens. So I think a lot of the stuff that we as fans see is not all we always is not always what is really truly happening. Um, the whole Wentz questioning whether he's going to start or not. I think they already know what they're going to do. I think they're just not really stating it. And in the meantime, Wentz and Foles just kind of have to, you know, just be patient and try not to talk too much about it and not make a big deal about it. Um, I just heard some guys say on the radio today, driving to my hair appointment with my mother, that uh. He was saying, what are the chances that once get hurt? And I'm thinking to myself, why are you worried about that? This is not your dude. You're not, he's not your, your son. Like you don't have to, we, no, we don't want Wentz hurt. But at the same time, I honestly don't think Wentz is that hurt anymore. I think that he is truly a remarkable story in the sense that that's what sheer will, faith, and working on his rehab does for one's spirit. I think it changes your body um, as far as how it heals. He had no real reason to be on it other than walking around with his girlfriend slash now his wife, you know, or doing his charity work. So I really don't see why there's any reason why his injury could get any worse other than when he gets contact. And if the ends are doing their job, we won't have to worry about when's getting hit a lot. So, you know, it all comes down to Michael, um, excuse me, to uh, Jason Peters. And it'll come down to anyone else on the other side because Carson really shouldn't be getting touched this year at all. The only way I can see Carson hurting himself is if he himself, you know, trips over his own damn foot. So, and in that case, I only expect a sprain and a temporary holdout, and then he'll be back in the game. Like, Wentz is not one of these people that likes to sit around and nurse an injury. I think he's one of these guys that likes to keep something active in his in the process of rehab. And I think he's still going to be rehabbing no matter how many times he's in a game. I think that on the side, they could put him on the bike. They could put him in the back and make sure that he's all, you know, taped up. So... I don't see Carson not still rehabbing even while he's in the game or while he's on the sideline. So whether he starts week one or he starts week five, I think mentally Carson is already there. So I'm more impressed by his will to just be a presence than worrying about what his knee looks like. He's not limping. 
He's running around more than anybody at this point. And I feel like the only person probably holding him back is himself and Doug and the doctor. That's it. I think he's doing what he can to just stay in line and obey his obey his orders. And that's it. So worrying about whether he's going to hurt is stupid because it's the NFL. He's going to get hurt. And the fact that fans are so consumed with this, even myself, I was a little concerned, but now I'm tired of hearing about people questioning it. So it makes me automatically assume that he's fine. You know, I don't respond well to people, you know, predicting and and talking about the worst of it. I just now I kind of know how fans can be. So hearing guys asking other people who have no clue what Carson's progress is, is just asinine in itself. So I don't know. Fans have unnecessary fears. And I just think it's time for all of us to just find a focus on just how exciting it is to see football again, regardless of who's playing. And Alvin Kamara, he just better watch it because come November 13th or wherever that game that the Eagles play them, he better just hope somebody doesn't have an extra cup of coffee that day or whatever gets them up. Because if he gets hit more than once, they just might break him. So good luck to him. Good luck to the Saints. And uh, thank you for listening to my I guess, diatribe (laughs) of things that I had to say. And uh, week two is coming up against the Patriots. So we'll see who starts. It'd be nice to see Nick Foles start again. And hopefully Tom Brady won't be an ass and shake his hand like he should have done at the end of Super Bowl 52. That'll be interesting in itself. So we'll check that out next week. And I'm sure I will decide to have a podcast if anything exciting comes up during that game. All right. Who's with me? Stick with your birds, right? Here we go. Fly, eagles, fly. Thanks for listening. Take care. It's AJ out. I know you special, girl, cause I know too many. Risha, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want you, and I need you. And I'm down for you always. Welcome to another edition of Birds of a Feather. This is your girl, AJ, Suburban Princess, here with her thoughts on what is becoming a very interesting first week. Yes, first week of preseason NFL style. It's very good to see preseason football on period because it's football but the climax is that even at the best part of a preseason game you know that most of the good players aren't going to be playing for longer than maybe half a series if not a little bit of the first quarter um it's more exciting to see the rookies that were chosen when they were chosen at the NFL draft but to see them actually play it out is interesting to say the least sometimes it's not even that exciting um, guys that have been waiting in the wings as far as backup QBs um, with Kansas City uh, bringing on um, their new prospect uh, now that Alex Smith is now a Redskin. Um, I heard that he had a very uneventful first game. So I don't know why his name keeps escaping me, but I'm sure all of you out there already know who I'm talking about. Uh, the backup that is now the starting QB in Kansas City. That was pretty much a shocker to me that he didn't stand out as much as I thought he did. And now as I'm watching a rerun on NFL Network of the Browns slash Giants game, it reminds me how much the Browns might actually look pretty decent this season. Now, mind you, it's week one, and we don't know what preseason does really for players when it comes down to the regular season. Let's just pray that after four weeks are over, we don't have too many injuries like it started off for the 2017 season last year when it seemed like everybody named Mama got hurt early. Um... So far, they have had a few injuries to wide receivers and I think some defensive players, but um, it seemed like a lot of them were like freak accidents that ended up into being ACL tears during either training camp and or prepping for their first week of preseason. Then you have some interesting cases in preseason where Khalil Mack is holding out and losing almost uh, a million million dollars 
uh, because he wants to get his rookie contract uh, worked out um, for, I guess, a full five years or whatever. You know, they usually negotiate after their rookie contract is up for the Raiders. And with John Gruden now back at the helm, it looks like John Gruden couldn't give a crap about that crap because he's the new coach and he has to get used to going back to the coaching frame of mind after it's been so many years. And he used to be uh, an analyst on NFL on Monday Night Football. Excuse me. Now that he's back to coaching, can you teach an old dog new tricks? I mean, can you get the team to get invested in Gruden again? I mean, everybody's been kind of pining for him to go back to uh, coaching football since I personally didn't think the team of him and the other guy for NFL, uh, I keep saying NFL, but Monday Night Football um, were that interesting of a combo to want to keep him on. Surprisingly enough, it's actually more exciting now that Tony Romo is an official analyst. He's actually pretty exciting on uh, TV watching him discuss plays he used to just be very uh auto robot you know autopilot type of sounding where he just kind of would jump and yell out what a play was going to be or say what it was going to be and then that was it and then he would prove himself right and then it would be like okay Tony you're supposed to engage the audience who's watching you narrate these and analyze so I think now after the his first uh half of the season as a commentator has passed I think now Tony Romo is starting to get a small following um, surprisingly enough, considering he's a former cowboy, I actually am pretty impressed with his analytic analyst, uh, abilities. And, um, I hope it's a gig that he'll keep for a while because I think it's exciting to see former players who actually have a skill other than just playing on their teams. So, uh, last weekend was the hall of fame ceremony, as most people know, and it's very exciting now that we know that D- Brian Dawkins and Terrell Owens are officially, uh, and, uh, have their busts out and um, have been able to give their speeches, even though Tia wasn't part of the actual ceremony. He had his own ceremony in Chattanooga. I discussed that in the last podcast, but it's still history. It's still a good look for the Eagles in general because Terrell Owens was considered, um, uh, I forget what the word is, enshrined, excuse me, in the uh, NFL Football Hall of Fame as an Eagle, even though that was his shortest tenure. He pretty much was on Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys. Um, he went to Buffalo and then he also did Cincinnati, which I totally had forgotten. Um, so he's already been on five teams and he's considering looking at Canadian Football League. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, he is in his almost mid 40s, even though he keeps himself in stellar shape. I would love to see if he actually um, becomes a productive Canadian Football Leaguer. So we'll see. Um, and as far as preseason, we'll get to our main boys. I mean, the Eagles. I honestly was able to see the replay this morning, but I didn't get to see the very beginning for the first touchdown. But it looks like most of the names that came out from the first game that impressed all was our rookie Dallas Goddard from, uh, I forget what school he came from. But either way, he um, he shined the most. And I think that now that it's become a trend on Twitter as well as sports radio to now disregard his first name, Dallas, and call him Philly Goddard, um, He's probably going to have a good nickname, I'm sure, going into the new season. In fact, I think he just should just be called PG because in that way, it's kind of like our way of claiming him without really giving Dallas, the city, the credit. Um, uh, They're showing Saquon Barkley now, former Penn Stater, now on the Giants. He looked like he had an impressive run or two a couple times. I looked at this preseason game, so he's going to work out for the Giants. Now, let's hope that the Giants... Don't become so good that they become a threat for the Eagles because I don't care how mad we beat them last or the Eagles beat them last season. I don't think the Giants go down easily, no matter how much we try to uh, shut them down. Um, They always give the Eagles pretty much a good fight. 
Um, hopefully this season in the NFC, it'll be not a runaway again. I'd like to see it to be competitive, but I'd also like to see the Eagles shut down more than just one team this year. I'd like them to, I don't know, legitimately shut up the NFC and show why they own it and why they should always own the NFC East. Um, it's going to be definitely more of a fight this year to get the NFC crown of the conference for the Eagles because, you know, just like Doug Peterson is teaching his camp, he's teaching them to embrace the target because that's what they are. Um, there's a lot more people coming back and there's some strong rookie positions that are already starting to look like they're impressing. Um, as they talk to Saquon, it just, it does make me happy for the Giants in the sense that, you know, it's good to see a good player for them, even though the Giants have been pretty much sleeping Giants for the past couple of years. They haven't been impressive since their last Super Bowl win, but they got two in a row. So the Eagles now deserve to get that victory of two back-to-back uh, Super Bowls. So hopefully the Eagles can continue that fight. Now seems to be the issue of who is going to start week one. Yes, the preseason by the second or third week is pretty much, you know, dead in the water. I mean, usually mentally, us fans, we tune out by the second or third week because we know, like, no one's really going to play. And at this point, no one's really confident in the fourth uh, uh, the fourth in line quarterback because, one, he's obviously very small. And, two, he's not going to be anyone who's going to probably ever start. He's probably going to most likely end up on the practice squad. Um, I wasn't too impressed with this Joe Callahan guy behind um, Nate Sudfeld. But I will say one thing. It's good to know that he didn't seem like he mentally or physically seemed to check out once he wasn't really getting his throws off as much as he would like. He's kind of short. I don't see how he's going to ever see over the the offensive line or the defense for that matter. And um, But then again, I look at Baker Mayfield playing a pretty awesome game for the Browns during this replay. And I'm kind of thinking, well, you know what? You don't always have to feel short. You can always play tall. So there are some short guys that just, they can beat the punch. I mean, Michael Vick wasn't exactly a tall guy, but, you know, he got the ball out so fast that it really didn't matter whether he could see over the offensive line or not because he had he had vision. And that's, besides his speed, he had great vision. And I think that even if he didn't really have necessarily the football IQ per se, like his decision-making seemed to not make any sense, he still threw a good ball. He still does even in American flag football now. But he may just not have that speed as he used to. Um, but I see little mini Michael Vicks and some of these new wide receivers all over the place. I mean, um, Tyrod Taylor being actually the, the starting quarterback for the Browns. I think he's kind of a descendant of Michael Vick and someone who I felt like who has been really over uh, underrated. And, um, I don't think he ever had the right team. Um, Teddy, uh, Bridgewater is now backing up in Jets world, New York Jets. And it was good to see him throw a ball after he's taken almost three years off, uh, basically trying to rehab his knee or leg or whatever that massive injury he had. Um, it's good to see him throwing a ball again. Now, it's interesting with social media how fast people flip and they instantly want to go, okay, he plays good, so let's trade him. No, <laughs> he's a back and forth reason. He has to mentally, physically, and intellectually get himself back into football again. So him being a backup and playing pretty decent on his first preseason snaps is a good sign, but it doesn't necessarily mean it'll hold up. You know, you have to gel with your team, whether you're playing the first string or the second string. And a good backup can adapt to that, just like Nick Foles had to do as he went from team to team and eventually came back to his starting team and won a Super Bowl MVP uh, award. So 
it's good to see someone like Nick Foles succeed because he has not only obviously been the one to bring it home for Philadelphia, but he was obviously the one that had a great story behind his need to come back into football, whether spiritual or intellectual or, you know, um, football related. um, Nick didn't have to come back into the sports world. He could have just retired and become the pastor. He said he's looking to be post football. Um, It kind of just found him again. And it looks like it's also spawned, um, spawned off a good motivational speaking career for him. He's become a face of, uh, faith and and positivity and he's wrote he's wrote a book about it and it's come out and he's toured and he's done all this on the off season as well as during training camp time and he's been this face of optimism for people who give up or want to give up and someone like him you would think it would be very easy for him to give up because he never had a reason to really want to keep going because his career just seemed to always um dwindle down into nothing and it got to the point where he convinced himself maybe I shouldn't play. And so to know that someone like that can come back and then win the whole thing in less than five games, it just shows you that if your faith is stronger than anything, it can bring you places you never thought. And Nick Foles to me is a success story. And yes, some of the pundits and analysts and sports, uh, you know, radio guys never really want to fully give him that edge or that respect. Um, He is truly an amazing QB and as well as a person. He may never play that level again or that to that height that he did, but he sure as hell learned quickly in a city where it's very hard for us to give people second and third chances when you mess up the first time. So I think with Nick Foles, he will be the fire for a lot of these other teams who didn't get past the first round of playoffs or who lost to the Eagles when the Eagles caught fire in the play in the postseason. So it seemed to have sparked a whole thing with uh, Alvin Kamara from the Saints because now he's decided <clears throat> to put the target on the Eagles for first it became coming at the Vikings for losing to the Vikings game in that really freak ending where uh, that wide receiver for the Vikings ended up catching uh, Stefan Diggs ended up catching that ball at the last minute, literally the last seconds of the game to uh, win. Um, he seemed to be very bitter about it in an interview. And then eventually he went off to say we would have beat the crap out of the Eagles had we gotten past the Vikings. Now, mind you, I agree with Kyle from Good Morning Football that coulda, shoulda, woulda. Nobody cares about what you coulda did because you may not see the Eagles again this year. And even if you do see them again this year, what's the point of talking trash now? Especially when they know that people like you are going to start saying stuff because nobody, even the Eagles themselves, thought they would get the Super Bowl. So every team has a chance to win and every story that comes out of left field is always exciting to know underdogs mentality did help the Eagles win, but it doesn't win. It doesn't help for everybody. I mean, that's just a rare story. It's, it's going to be fascinating for years. Super Bowl 52 will always be um, equivalent to the Nick Foles redemption, as well as the Eagles overcoming so many odds and losing so many key people and still winning it all. And so now everybody I've noticed on certain teams are trying to slowly take a little bit of that uh, hype and adapt it to their teams. And only people who truly, truly know how their locker rooms and how their coaches work will be able to even come close to duplicating what the Eagles created in their uh, in their locker room as well as what they did on the field. So it's a once in a lifetime, you know, strike when the iron is hot type of thing. 
and nobody can duplicate what the Eagles created for this this past year. Now, if they can do it again with some of the new faces, it'll be amazing. Most people say it's always never going to be easy to try to, you know, duplicate another success story. And it may cost more casualties than last year, but you would like to think that that would not be possible, um, being that pretty much they lost some so many key names last season and still got it. Now you're wondering... Had everybody been majority healthy, do they still think they'll have the same chemistry? I feel like, yes, they can, because I feel like where they got substitutions were areas that weren't necessarily weak, but could have used an extra set of legs. So my thing is, if the veterans know how to take care of themselves, especially the ones that were hurt, then they have no problem with getting back to Atlanta in uh, February 2019. So the goal as a fan is just to... Not worry about what could happen, which seems to be lingering in everyone's mind. You know, whether Wentz gets hurt again, if he doesn't start, when is he going to start? There's never, to me, a good time as a fan to put Wentz in. I think he should start because he's mentally already there. And you feel like if you start losing time and confidence, even though I don't think it's possible for Wentz, but if he has too much time to think, you know, he may slowly start to regress out of his patterns of positive thinking because he'll be stewing so much. But then on the other hand, I wouldn't mind Foltz starting because I feel like Foltz never really got Foles never really got to uh, start a full season and finish it since the 23 and 7 year or whatever it was. And so I feel like it would be a good reminder to Foles how bad he really wants to be a quarterback at all. Or is he just here holding a space because he's not really done yet? You know, I mean, does he, I don't even really think Foles wants to leave. I think he honestly would rather just retire an Eagle knowing that he got to the pinnacle of, you know, footballdom. And now he feels like he's living, he's doing it now just to save lives and to continue to be a good example for people out there because that's his ministry. Um, and football just happens to be it. Um, had he wrote that book and he had not even been part of the Eagles, would he sell it? Would it sell as good? And would people care about Nick Foles? No, they wouldn't. Um, just those around his probably inner circle probably would but um it was definitely a good platform for him speaking of platforms now with the nfl anthem policy it seems like you know the whole issue of standing sitting whatever not acknowledging uh kneeling for during the anthem has become in itself a whole new ball or should i say opened a new can of worms because the nfl decided to make it a formal policy i first personally don't think just like this stupid helmet rule that seems to be creating 10 times more flags than possible in the first half of the game. Um, I don't think either law will become uh, executed as much as the NFL wants to believe it will be. I think they're doing it to save face and I think they're also doing it to save money because they figure the more fines that come out from all the helmet bashing that will probably happen, um, it'll take care of the CTE suits that are still coming at their neck that the NFL want to kind of bury under the ground and hope goes away. And it never really will because this is a sport that's always been dangerous and it's never, no matter how much they try to quote unquote, make it safe, it'll never not be dangerous because it's not humane to run towards each other and not expect to have collisions. It's just, it's not possible. So I think the NFL is just basically running out of excuses to look like a stable corporation. And in the meantime, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot because they're also neglecting the other charities that they supposedly support, like breast cancer, um, domestic violence, um, autism now has become more of the focus this year, um, well, as far as the Eagles are concerned. 
it just seems like they're losing sight of what originally the NFL was supposed to be about. As opposed to being big money business and trying to spread all over Europe, I think they've lost their mission as far as a corporation. And because of this whole policy, it's become more political than it needs to be. And granted, I'm one of some of those people that could care less about whether people kneel or not. But I, what I have a problem with is people who have a problem with people doing it. And I still, to this day, will never understand the hatred that's coming out of some of these quote-unquote fans, especially some of the older generation, who still think that Colin Kaepernick ruined their sport. When realistically, Marshawn Lynch has been sitting the whole time and no one's cared until the picture came out. And then all of a sudden, when Kaepernick was kneeling, it was a deal. Marshawn Lynch has been sitting for 11 seasons and will still sit. Michael Bennett has sat and did sit did sit during the anthem during uh the preseason game apparently the NFL probably won't even show the anthem being uh sung now until probably the Super Bowl because it'll eliminate a lot of um hype even though you know the cameras are probably going to take short you know shots of people kneeling now that some players have still knelt during the preseason which would probably wouldn't have happened as much if Trump and uh, the NFL hadn't decided to make a stupid policy or revamp a policy. Um, they're not dogs. They're human beings. And we should stop acting like just because they get paid a lot of money that they just have to go and play and shut up. That's not the way it should be. It should be a sport of their leisure because they're passionate about it. Not because they're working for a bunch of plantation owners who want to seem like they're important. That's my piece on that. But preseason as a whole so far in the week one has been exciting. But kind of lackluster at the sense that by the time I caught the rest of the Eagles game, I was only seeing some of the Joe Callahan unspectacular throws. And then um, some of the, the running back issues that are still lingering, like Smallwood not really being as effective as he hasn't been last season, which was why I think that he will drop in the roster. Donnell Pumphrey still hasn't made it to a game yet. So I don't think he's going to be even on this practice squad anymore. And then I think that Josh Adams has won himself a at least third or fourth roster spot. Um, it's good to see good old Sproles back. It's good to see Jay Ajayi back. Damn sure good to see Corey Clement back. So I, for one, am never worried about the running back situation. From what the guys that I hear who pay attention to the, the D-line and the O-line, it looks like that they're all pretty much good. Now, still the question is who are going to be the star cornerbacks this, cornerbacks this year? Um, and there seems to still be a question of the linebackers. So those are still shaky areas, but I think when, you know, all guns are blazing and, and all the first starters open up for the Falcons game, I still think we're going to see a well-oiled machine, regardless of some of the question marks that fans have about uh, some of the roster spots. I don't think it'll be a hard decision for Doug to shave down to 53 this year, but um, it's going to get dicey later in the season if some of these players don't pan out as far as the draft picks or as far as the veterans staying healthy. That's the only thing that could shake the core is if the veterans don't hold their ground, you know, they're the core of the team. So if they don't hold their ground, then even the rookie's not going to be able to shine. And uh, so hence, you know, the falling from the inside, destroying itself on the outside type of theory comes about. Um, But as of right now, I'm pretty confident about the season already. And I don't really even have to see that much preseason. I just think the Eagles are holding a lot of stuff back from us because they don't want to put all their secrets out now that everybody's got their eyes on them. When you're Super Bowl winners, that's what happens. So I think a lot of the stuff that we as fans see is not all we always 
is not always what is really truly happening. Um, the whole Wentz questioning whether he's going to start or not, I think they already know what they're going to do. I think they're just not really stating it. And in the meantime, Wentz and Foles just kind of have to, you know, just be patient and try not to talk too much about it and not make a big deal about it. Um, I just heard some guy say on the radio today, driving to my hair appointment with my mother, that uh, he was saying, what are the chances that Wentz get hurt? And I'm thinking to myself, why are you worried about that? This is not your dude. You're not, he's not your, your son. Like you don't have to, no, we don't want Wentz hurt. But at the same time, I honestly don't think Wentz is that hurt anymore. I think that he is truly a remarkable story in the sense that that's what sheer will, faith, and working on his rehab does for one's spirit. I think it changes your body um, as far as how it heals. He had no real reason to be on it other than walking around with his girlfriend slash now his wife, you know, or doing his charity work. So I really don't see why there's any reason why his injury could get any worse other than when he gets contact. And if the ends are doing their job, we won't have to worry about when's getting hit a lot. So, you know, it all comes down to Michael, um, excuse me, to uh, Jason Peters. And it'll come down to anyone else on the other side because Carson really shouldn't be getting touched this year at all. The only way I can see Carson hurting himself is as he himself, you know, trips over his own damn foot. So, and in that case, I only expect a sprain and a temporary holdout, and then he'll be back in the game. Like, Wentz is not one of these people that likes to sit around and nurse an injury. I think he's one of these guys that likes to keep something active in his in the process of rehab. And I think he's still going to be rehabbing no matter how many times he's in a game. I think that on the side, they could put him on the bike. They could put him in the back and make sure that he's all, you know, taped up. So... I don't see Carson not still rehabbing even while he's in the game or while he's on the sideline. So whether he starts week one or he starts week five, I think mentally Carson is already there. So I'm more impressed by his will to just be a presence than worrying about what his knee looks like. He's not limping. He's running around more than anybody at this point. And I feel like the only person probably holding him back is himself and Doug and the doctor. That's it. I think he's doing what he can to just stay in line and obey his obey his orders and that's it so worrying about whether he's going to hurt is stupid because it's the nfl he's going to get hurt and the fact that fans are so consumed with this even myself i was a little concerned but now i'm tired of hearing about people questioning it so it makes me automatically assume that he's fine you know i don't respond well to people you know predicting and and talking about the worst of it i just now i kind of know how fans can be so hearing guys asking other people who have no clue what carson's progress is is just asinine in itself so i don't know fans have unnecessary fears and i just think it's time for all of us to just find a focus on just how exciting it is to see football again regardless of who's playing and alvin kamara he just better watch it because come november 13th or wherever that game that the eagles play them he better just hope somebody doesn't have an extra cup of coffee that day or whatever gets them up because if he gets hit more than once they just might break him. So good luck to him. Good luck to the Saints. And uh, thank you for listening to my, I guess, diatribe (laughs) of things that I had to say. And uh, week two is coming up against the Patriots. So we'll see who starts. It'd be nice to see Nick Foles start again. And hopefully Tom Brady won't be an ass and shake his hand like he should have done at the end of Super Bowl 52. That'll be interesting in itself. So we'll check that out next week. And I'm sure I will decide to have a podcast if anything exciting comes up during that game. All right, who's with me? Stick with your birds, right? Here we go. Fly, eagles, fly. Thanks for listening. Take care. It's AJ out.